Ready to move from warrior to warrior? Today's guest will show you how. Are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life? Me too. So join me as I document the conversations, stories, and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life. Welcome to Unbound with me, Chris Dubois. Martin Salama is a veteran entrepreneur with over 40 years in business and 10 plus years coaching. He prioritizes practical tools to help other entrepreneurs break the chains holding them back and uncover their greatness. And today we are going to explore the mindset and tools he uses to help do it. Martin, welcome to Well, Chris, thank you so much. I am so excited to be with you. Yeah, this is going to be uh, a fun episode. The, uh, I, we're going to talk about this book for anyone not watching the video version, holding up a copy of Martin's book, um, which was awesome for a poolside read uh, and to kind of recenter myself on some of the, the things you talk, uh, talk about in here. I won't go too deep on it yet. Um, <laughs> but I think a great place to start would actually be just with your origin story. Sure. Let's just go right to the beginnings and, and how you've gotten to where you are. Absolutely. Now. First thing is I want to say thank you for, for getting the book. And you are the first person that's interviewing me that has read the entire book. So I'm excited about that. Come on, podcast host. I, I mean, <laughs> as, as a podcaster or somebody who's who's interviewing me after they've read the entire book is what I meant to say by that. Okay. Yeah. So thank you so much. They, everyone else needs to pick it up. They got to uh, <laughs> thank you so a little much. faster, guess. So as as you already know, but I'll tell the audience, um, I, I've been an entrepreneur, entrepreneur basically my whole life. Uh, and I, let's go back to the beginning just to touch on it a little bit. When I was 10 years old. I had a tragedy in my life that I can honestly say set me up for the next 40 years. Um, I was 10. I have four older sisters and I have a brother that was five. His name was Michael. Unfortunately, one day Michael was getting off the school bus and he dropped something in front of the bus and the bus driver didn't see him and drove. And four days later, he succumbed to his injuries and he passed away. And I could easily say that that was a defining moment in my life, looking back now. Here I am, a 10-year-old. I have four older sisters. I'm now the only boy. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it's on me. It's on me to carry the legacy. It's on me to make sure that my parents never feel pain again. They just went through the most devastating, terrible thing that anybody could go through. This is a 10-year-old talking. And there's nobody there. This is the 70s where there's not anybody to put you through therapy and tell you, you know, you'll get through this, you'll figure it out. There's nothing like that, right? Right. So I'm putting this all on me. Nobody's telling me, oh, you're the man now. You got. It was me telling it to myself. But at that moment, I could easily go back now. It took me 40 plus years, almost 40 years to figure this out, that I became a people pleaser at that moment. Because my job to me was make sure my parents were happy. And as that developed and as it continued, it became, I want to make everybody happy. And looking back, what I was, was a people pleaser. I took everything personally. I was a control freak. I needed to have the recognition of people telling me, oh, wow, you did a great job. You know, you're a people pleaser and you please me. Thank you so much for doing that. You know, all those things. And Mm -hmm. when all those things weren't falling into place, I had a short temper. I would react to the point that I was like an overreactor. I could I even referenced myself in the book as a nuclear reactor. I would blow up and I would leave fallout all over the place 
that I'd have to go back and fix later. And usually it would be something like this. You know, Chris, I'm sorry that happened yesterday, but you know, you set me off. You did this and you did that. (laughs) That's not really an apology. So that set me up for the next 30 plus 40 years, almost. I got married. I was trying to please my wife. I was trying to please my parents. And I rationalized all of the things that I was doing was for the greater good. But what I've come to now realize that the word rationalize is really two words, rational lies. That it's rational to do something that goes against what you believe because you think it's for the greater good or for whatever reason that is. So I think rationalizing is really more like rational lying or rational lie. Man, I like, I wish uh, everyone listening could have seen the uh, the actual cue card you were able to hold up for that um but uh yeah so you've done you've done a lot to just reframe your mindset right in order to to achieve certain things in life what are some steps you would recommend that people actually start taking leaders start taking in order to do the same at the beginning of my course or or coaching or something with someone they come to me with issues right i'm not happy in my life i don't know what's going on but so first, it's, it's the first step of admitting that the way things are going are not working for you and you're not happy. Admission, right? Admit that this, and you got to mm-hmm. change, right? Once you do that, you're opening yourself up for willing to be changed, to change. And that takes, takes, some, takes some work, takes some commitment, right? So then the next thing is, okay, right. what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to start changing this and this. I'm going to do this better. I'm going to do that. Now you're what I, in what I call the cleansing stage. By doing the things differently, you're beginning to cleanse. And then as things start to happen to you or for you or through you, as I like to say, you could start the celebration. And that's admission, cleansing, and celebration. Let's, let's take a simple example like losing weight. Right? I got to lose 50 pounds. Okay. Well, I admit that I got to lose 50 pounds. Well, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to eat better. I'm going to work out better. Um, whatever. Those, you know, that's just as an idea. So now you start this thing. So the cleansing process is I'm going to eat better. How am I going to eat better? Well, I'm not going to eat so much carbs. I'm going to, I'm going to cut down on my calories, whatever it is that works for you. I'm going to start exercising. I've never exercised before. Okay. I'll start with a five minute walk or a 10 minute walk and build up. That's the cleansing stage. Now, the celebration stage isn't when you get to the 50 pounds. Because along the way, you're going to say, why am I doing this? You got to have little goals along the way. So when you get to three pounds or five pounds, you're like, okay, something I'm doing is working. That's a celebration along the way. Yeah. And so, and as long as you can get all, all three of those going, then you're, uh, becomes much easier, I guess, to yeah. achieve your uh, Because if you're goals. looking for you to lose 50 pounds in a week, it ain't going to happen unless you do some kind of radical surgeries. Yeah. It's not happening. Chop a leg off. Um, <laughs> so I'm going through. So in every book I read, I use a, a piece of paper as my bookmark so that I can just yeah. I can just take notes and like have yeah. it right in there and I highlight. And I've got a whole system for dog earring pages and everything. I got plenty of plenty of dog ears in here. Um, well, I hope mine is doing yeah, a lot. <laughs> it's, it's good. Um, the, you have a lot of acronyms in here to make it easy to remember various 
uh, just things that I do, you know, so that like one of the big things that, that we teach with the dynamic leadership process is awareness. And one of the easier ways to do that is right by having an acronym where it's like, oh, I see these little triggers. Let me just act out this or follow through with this acronym. And so I really appreciated Thanks. how you had this set up. Um, Thank you. Can we let's let's talk about some of these acronyms, though, because I feel like they would be valuable for the audience. Okay. Cool. Um, cool. Cool. Absolutely. I, I'm, you had a lot of them. I'm going to give you fielder's choice here. What a. Let's start with life. Sure. How's that? Yeah, the, the big one, right? The big one. So so let me give a little bit of a history of how that happened. So 2008 comes along, all right? And my wife and I are working a project for five years to build a multi-million dollar health club and tennis center in New Jersey, all right? Now, it's taken us five years because anybody that goes through development knows that it just doesn't happen like that. You come up with the idea, then you got to go find the land, then you got to negotiate the land, <laughs> and then you've mm. got to start the feasibility study uh, and and the engineering and the architecture, and then go to the city, and they go, oh, you need to go get a civil engineer to make sure you have the right amount of parking. And this is taking us five years. Now, if we've gotten approved in 2006 or 2007, walking into the bank would have been like walking into Costco. And going to the old lady, can I have a sample? Mm-hmm. You know, they give it to you freely. Yeah. But in my luck, it was 2008. I walk into the bank. I go, okay, we did it. Last night, we got the final approval from the city. We're ready to go. And they go, yeah, we're not lending right now. I'm like, what? I have over $3 million of my money and investors' money and family money in this project. Well, things have changed. Well, change it back. It doesn't work that way. A month later, I realize that there's Bernie Madoff and the subprime loans and the entire financial world crashes like a house of cards. And I'm on the bottom of this. I'm the joker in the house of cards, but I ain't laughing. So I'm like, okay, now what? And I go through a full year of depression. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I can't get out of bed. I'm, I, it's situational depression, obviously, but I have nothing. And my family's even trying to come in and figure out the, the, the finances that I do have and get me through things. So it's about a year later. It's more than a year later. And I go, okay, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Well, I've been a businessman my entire life and I never loved doing it. But I did do things like I was involved in the community. I was always a leader in the community. As a matter of fact, I was the founder of the first synagogue in Eatontown, New Jersey. All right. And it now has over 400 families and spawning off other synagogues close by because they can't hold them all. Okay. Right. So I'm very proud about those things. But as a leader, what I learned was people would walk in all the time and saying, well, I don't have very much time, but I want to help. What can I do in like the hour or two that I can give you a week or a month or whatever? And I'd sit with them and I'd talk to them and say, well, tell me about yourself. And what I realized what I was doing is, and they would go and do some great stuff for the organization, is that I was a life coach. I was a coach. So I was like, well, maybe I should find out what this is all about and start doing it. So I went out, I looked it around, and I found a great coaching school. And I said, okay, I'm going to go to that school in, in, in the summertime, in July, June, whatever it was. And a few months before that, it was my 24th wedding anniversary. And my wife said, I'm done. I want a divorce. I'm like, oh my God, why does everything keep happening to me? Because that was the mindset I had. 
that the world was against me and everything was just going to keep piling up. Mm-hmm. Especially at that moment. Could you blame me for thinking that? So oh, that's <laughs> just that was the way it was. But right. something tapped me on the shoulder. Maybe it was God. I don't know. Maybe he said, okay, you want to become a life coach? Well, maybe you should start with yourself. And before I went to coach training, they sent me a list of books in an email. They said, read a couple of these books, prepare yourself for coaching. One of them was called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And I read the second agreement, which was don't take anything personally. I was like, holy moly, this guy just blew my mind. He told me something was like a secret that everybody had been telling me my whole life. But until that moment, Mm -hmm. I just wasn't ready to hear it. Right. And now I was. And I went to that first weekend and they said, you don't have to be who you think you have to be. You could be whoever you want to be. And you don't have to. And then the deeper message was, you don't have to go around pleasing everybody. Take care of yourself first. And what I heard was the airplane message. Put the mask on yourself first, then everybody else. Mm -hmm. And that started me down the road. And as I started, first I was the divorce recovery coach. I wonder why. (laughs) Because yeah. coaching got me through my divorce. A few years mm-hmm. later, I was loving life. I was the thinnest I ever was because I had done the work on myself and figured out that I was way too heavy and that I needed to figure that out. And I did. And I was, I'm ADHD. So I was like, I was meditating. Can you imagine an ADHD guy meditating? Yeah. Just twitching around. And it took, it was only 10 minute guided meditation. But I had this download of information that I loved my life and I wanted to help others with it too. I wrote for two and a half hours after that, and out of that came life. Live incredibly full every day. And to me, that means being happy and having a meaningful life. Mm-hmm. So that's life. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing how you, you came to that, too. But uh, all right, what do you think? Uncover? Or, uh, or should we just go into the <laughs> warrior? Um, well, uncover is actually the beginning of seven steps. It's an acronym that covers seven different steps mm-hmm. in my program. Okay, so uh, I have I have a card deck that, as well as the the, oh, yeah. the book, and it you know it's it's the snippets of the book. So uncover is seven words, seven letters, each one with its own phrase. You unlock and unleash. Unlock what's keeping you stuck. And unleash the frustrations you're holding on to so you can start your journey. That's like the admission that we were talking about earlier. Right. Right? And navigate. Navigate how your emotional roller coaster holding you back. Again, part of the admission. C, choose. Choose the values that are most important to you in your life. Now you're starting to do the cleansing. Oh, obtain the tools you need to correctly respond to all situations continuations of cleansing. V, visualize who you want to be from here on out. E, embrace the new life you're creating and enjoy your endless potential. Celebration. R, reclaim your strong, confident, happy life to live incredibly full every day. More celebration. That's awesome. Um, So I had this thought when reading it, but also just again, I think the visualize element spoke to me the most because you're, you're visualizing who you want to be. I feel like a lot of times in life we get stuck in this. What do you want to be when you grow up? 
right? What right. do you want to be? Not who do you want to be? And so like, I've, I've just taken on rephrasing it for my kids. And yeah. I don't care. I don't care what job you want. You can do a ton of different things, right? But who do you want to be as a person? Who do you want to show up as? And it's a, and it's just such a, such a different, you know, way of viewing life that, uh, yeah. yeah do a vision board guys. It's okay to do vision boards. They're not just for women. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do mine on Canva. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about doing one there. It's, yeah. Uh, now we're using technology. Look at that. Uh, there you go. So let's let's get it during during the pre-interview. We talked about a couple other uh, topics as well. Yeah. Uh, one of them was the idea that very often leaders can get stuck in the the minutia of work, and they they start having difficulty with separating the forests from the trees. Yeah. Uh, how do you counter that in your own work? In my own work as a coach? Sure. Or so, business owner, however you want to approach it. Absolutely. Okay. So first thing is I want to make clear to somebody, to everybody out there, that everyone is a leader. They are a leader of somebody. And at the end of the day, if you're a leader of nobody, you're still a leader of yourself. So you are a leader. And it's about you defining that and, and embracing it. And then... It's about understanding that you're not a boss where you're going to bang out orders to people and expect to get it done. You want to be inclusive. You want to feel like the people around you are, are felt like they're important. I'll give you a perfect example. When I was growing up, my father owned a factory. He manufactured plastic tablecloths. They don't even make those plastic tables. They were yeah. plastic flannel back tablecloths. This was back in the 60s and 70s and stuff like that. And my mother, any day, any day I had off from school, she sent me off to work with my father because she didn't want my ADHD, which we didn't know that that's what it was called back in the 60s and 70s, <laughs> in her face. <laughs> Go to work with daddy. <laughs> but I'd watch my dad as he would walk every morning, he would walk, walk through the factory and say good morning to every person in that place. He had over 100 employees. And every day he would stop by somebody different. Hey, Mary, how's your husband? What's doing? John, what's going on with you? Every day with somebody else. He connected with that. He let them know that they were an important part of the machinery that was going on, the whole, the overall life machinery of the business. So that was great training for me. Because I've always felt that people work with me, they don't work for me. Right. Yeah, I love that uh, that mindset to this. Uh, yeah, especially with that many team members. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's getting hard to keep track. Something yep. I had to do when I first took over a platoon in the army, I would wait for someone to mention their kid's name and I would write it down so that I, I could remember it later because just... And that was only 36 guys. <laughs> so right. But, but you, were only building, you were building trust. You were building a relationship. You were building something yeah. where they knew that you cared about them. Right. No. And it goes a long way. People, people know, right. I think the, the quote, some of the people aren't going to remember everything you've done, but they're going to remember how you made them feel. That's right. And that's a, a perfect example of, yep. of that. Um, Good, and bad. Of, Good and bad. Good and bad. Right, 100%. Even more uh, so if you make them feel bad. Right. Yeah, if you're the, the culprit there. Yep. Um, so we, we also talked about uh, how you differentiate being self-conscious from 
versus being self-aware. Yep. Can you, can we go deeper into uh, into that? Absolutely. So pretty much everybody I talk to says, yeah, I'm self-aware. I know what's going on in my life. And that's awareness that doesn't necessarily make you self-aware. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it took for me to understand that I always thought that I was self-aware until I understood what self-conscious meant. And then I was like, oh, I've been self-conscious for the last 50 years. Now let me switch that around. So in the book, I talk about it. And of course, I have a card in my card deck that just brings it down to a little bit. So I'll read some of it. Is that okay? Yeah. So self-consciousness comes from a place of negative energy, guilt, conflict, and doubt. Self-consciousness is more outward directed. It's being more concerned about what others are thinking of you and how the situation is going to affect you. You probably react to uncomfortable situations instead of respond. There's a little more, but you get the gist. Self-awareness comes from a place of positive energy, acceptance, contentment, self-assuredness. Self-awareness is more inward-facing. You have an accurate, realistic understanding of how you are responding to situations and how you feel about things. So in a nutshell, self-conscious is negative energy, usually the ego coming into play. Mm-hmm. And self-awareness is positive energy, usually about humility, self-assuredness, and looking to be inclusive. Yeah, that's great. I think it's a, that's a, in itself is a great lesson for leaders to be able to uh, yeah. differentiate those. So, okay. I'm going back to your book for a second. Okay. Um, I like your different spin on stop, drop, and roll. Stop, <laughs> stop, think, and respond. Right. Um, the ability to disconnect from your triggers and all that. I, I think this is a super valuable concept to explore for, uh, for leaders. Yeah. Uh, to kind of be able to pull themselves out of the situation and actually think clearly rather than emotionally. Uh, what's a... Let's yeah, talk about that. Absolutely. And I'm glad you put it that way because what happens is when you start to think emotionally, you're allowing the emotions to control the actions, right? Mm-hmm. And that usually doesn't end well. Right. So here I am going through a divorce, starting to learn about my triggers, the mm-hmm. things that set me off. And I'll give you a perfect example. My ex-wife would call me up while we were getting divorced and she'd say, and this was happening before, but I wasn't as aware of it because of the fact that it was deep down inside. We were married and I was accepting things or whatever. I don't know. But she would call up and she'd say, you know, I don't want to fight, but that was a trigger. That was telling me, let's get ready to rumble verbally. Anyway. So in my head, okay, and I would like, she'd tell me what's going on and I was already, my emotions were ticked up. She, she hit the button and I would just ram into it. And then she'd say, but I told you I didn't want to fight. So I was like, you know, so I, and now I'm going through life coach training. I'm becoming more aware. I'm understanding about my awareness. I'm understanding about my emotions and how I'm putting them out there. And I say, you know what? I'm going to have to change this. So she'd call me up and she'd say, I don't want to fight, but, and I'd say, okay. And I'd hang up. Now that's the <laughs> complete other side of the, of the spectrum. 
You know, and she called me up and I go, what the heck did you just do? Why'd you hang up? Well, you said you didn't want to fight. So I decided not to fight. <laughs> and then I conditioned myself and kind of like without even realizing it, I was conditioning her too. We were both kind of like two Pavlov dogs, you know, where right. I started to say different things. And it took me a while to get to the point where I wasn't freaking out. But eventually it got to the point where she stopped saying I don't want to fight, but because it was no longer going to have the effect that subconsciously she wanted it to right. have. So yeah. now I'm doing this and I'm putting together my course and I'm helping people grow. And somebody asks me, somebody who's coaching me saying, can you explain some of the things you do with your clients? So I said, you remember when you were a kid or your kids were in school and the, the firemen came into the, into the, into the school and taught them about fire safety. And they said they came home and they learned three words. Stop, drop, and roll. I said, you know what? That's kind of what I'm doing here. Except I'm going to change it to stop, think, and respond. So he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, what happens now for me and what I coach my clients is when someone comes to you with what has in the past been a confrontation, You've got to decide, are you going to take the invitation and jump into the fight? Or can you first stop and say, wait a second, just stop. Right. And don't do what you usually did, which is freak out, nuclear reactor, leave fallout all over the place. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Think, wait a minute. Am I taking this personally? Is this about me? Or did Chris have a bad day and he's taking it out on me? And whatever it is. And then- Number three is respond instead of react. Now, it doesn't take overnight to do this. So those are the principles, but you're like, okay, I can't do that tomorrow. So I came up with an idea. When I was a kid, there was a basketball game we used to play, two guys, two, two people, yeah. called 5-3-1. Right? If you took a free throw shot and it got in, you got five points. And you played 100, right? So- You've got, you've got, you've got, and then when you get the rebound, wherever you take that shot, got the rebound, you take a shot, you get it in, it's three points. And then if you take a layup, you get another one point, that's nine points. And because you made all three, you get an extra point, 10 points. Great. So I'm writing, I'm, I'm putting my course together. I'm doing these things and it's COVID. And I'm happy to say five years ago, I got married again to a beautiful woman who sees me as I am, I see her as she are. We're not trying to change each other. Our values are well aligned. So it's COVID and she's outside playing basketball with her. At the time, I'd say he was about 12 or 13 years old, maybe 14-year-old son. And they come back in and I go, how was the game? And Ralph says, I lost. And Sarita says, I won 100 to nothing. I said, how is that possible? How could you get no points? He goes, well, I kept on going for the fives. I go, besides the fact that the game's not played that way, it's okay to go for the ones to have some points and to like build up. It's like, you know, I became a big shot by taking a lot of little shots. Take some of the little shots, you know. Michael Jordan says, I I missed 18 million free throws before I made the 8 million, you know, something like that. You got to practice it. So- I said, okay, how am I going to show people in a way that they can? They need to work on this? Because there's no way you're going to score a 10 the first time. So I go, okay, mm-hmm. let's take 5-3-1 and spin it around and say, if you stop 
before getting into that confrontation, give yourself one point. If you think about what's going on and do something different or think about how it's going to affect you or whatever, give yourself three points. And then if you respond instead of react, give yourself five points. Okay, great. If you did all three, great, you got a 10. But now I got to tell you, 99.999% of the time, nobody's going to get even a one the first time. So what happens if you go back the next day? You go, I had a fight with Chris yesterday. It really affected me and affected him too. Stopped. You stopped what you were doing and you were thinking about what happened yesterday. Now you think about it. What can I do differently the next time? And then the five comes in. If you call up Chris and you go, Chris, I'm so sorry for what I did. Please accept my apology. And there's no, but, and you're not looking for anything. Give yourself a five. Now you're building your muscle memory on that. Okay, Martin, this has been a great conversation. Um, I'm going to recommend if anyone wants to learn more of the acronyms or get more of the stories and stuff that you use to uh, kind of flesh some of these these things out, grab a copy of your book, Warrior to Warrior. Uh, available everywhere. Well, Amazon.com, uh, Barnes and Noble.com. It got picked ones. up by Barnes and Noble. So yep. that's a good thing. And I'm very happy yeah. to say that nice. I'm a bestseller. So, <laughs> hey, congratulations. Um, so, I got three more questions for you. All right. Uh, first, besides your own book, because I've already recommended it, uh, what book would you recommend everyone give a read? Well, I can easily say um, The Four Agreements because I already talked about that, but I'm going to mention a different book because I was very fortunate to have her write my foreword, Genevieve Davis, and it's called Becoming Magic. And because of what I learned from her, I was able to write my book. And because of the things I learned from her, I was able to meet her and learn from her and grow so much because of her. Becoming Magic by Genevieve Davis. She's not well-known, but her stuff is fantastic. Awesome. Okay. Well, everyone can give a pick that up, Becoming Magic. Um, what is next for you professionally? Professionally for me, I'm starting to put together um, masterminds for entrepreneurs yeah. who are successful but maybe they're not profiting as profitable as they think they should be. And on a deeper level, maybe they got to look at what's going on in their organization and understand how they're contributing to the culture because it starts from the top mm-hmm. down and understand that if you come one way, they'll come one way. If you come another way, they'll come another way and building that up. But it, it, it's, and you know, people want to talk about awesome. profitability. So we'll build in. The, I brought. I build in the profitability into there as well, showing you how you can make X amount of dollars by doing what we're talking about and having, yeah, you know, uh, measuring sticks along the way. Hey, that's awesome. Uh, where can people learn more about your masterminds and find you? So the best way to find me is to go to connectwithmartin.com. I made it easy. You go there. Yeah. You could buy the book. Buy the book. <laughs> you go there, you can find the link to the cards. Okay. You go there, you can get free things. I have free downloads always going on there. It could be, it could be, um, it could be stop and think and respond. It could be the cycle of A's, which you read in the book. It could be build your emotional strength. 
Guys, these are things you could learn more about by buying the book. <laughs> it could be any of those things. Those are free downloads for you to learn how to take the techniques and build on them. Yep. And then also awesome. you could even click on to find out about me and make an appointment with me and all that. Connectwithmartin.com. Awesome. Well, everyone be sure to look up Martin. Martin, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a great conversation. Thank you, Chris. This has been fantastic. And one last thing, tell everybody else out there, live incredibly full every day. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it.